So welcome to the Built for the Chase podcast. This is your host, Dan Dowdy. And this podcast is all about helping men and women out there in the trades grow through leadership development. I don't know about you, John, but leadership development is a lifetime journey, not a destination. And today I'm excited. I'm already talking about John. Haven't haven't even done the introduction yet, but today I have an amazing leader in the trades. I have John Akoyan. He is the co-founder and CEO of Ruder Hero Plumbing out of California. And if y'all don't know it already, Ruder Hero Plumbing is one of the largest uh, residential plumbing service companies in California. They employ over 400 people. So the insights and the knowledge that John is going to share today is going to be just amazing for any leader out there listening. So John, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Uh, happy to be here. Good. Well, I'm I'm happy you're here. So, before we dive into your story and and kind of your journey to where you're at today, I just want to talk directly to the audience, and I just want to just ask you out there if you like what you hear, please subscribe and uh, and share an episode with a friend out there. Um, you know, growing up in the trades and being a second generation tradesman, I was always taught that giving and sharing uh, just makes life better. And I know John is probably going to share a similar value today as we go through the interview, but that's what being a good tradesman or woman out there is all about is sharing knowledge, sharing wisdom, sharing information. It just helps everybody else in the trades grow. And that's what we want to do through this podcast. So uh, John, let's go ahead and dive dive on in. Um, Tell the audience a little more about yourself. Kind of go all all the way back to the beginning. Let's, Let's talk about your story to how you've gotten to where you're at today. Um, so, uh, Dan, I got into the trades uh, when I was 17 years old. And uh, my story goes back to, uh, you know, my dad was the major breadwinner of the family. Uh, we just bought a house in North Hollywood. I'm born in Armenia. I was uh, three years old when my parents came in uh, to the uh, United States. We actually went directly to Hollywood, California, where my grandfather resided. He sent us a visa and and we got lucky and, you know, got admitted to to America. And I was just a kid. I was like three years old. So, you know, I just remember my parents, uh, you know, just uh, struggling in the beginning to learn the language and and uh, and, you know, build their selves a, uh, you know, a life in America. And um, I grew up, you know, not having a whole lot of money. You know, we were, you know in a one bedroom apartment, me, my brother and my, my parents. And, you know, uh, when I was about 16 years old, we ended up buying a house. Uh, my brother was 20. I was 16. We were still in a one bedroom apartment. I was sleeping wow. on the couch. So, uh, we bought a house in North Hollywood. So I finally had my own room and everything and it was pretty cool. And, uh, then all of a sudden my dad died from a heart attack and, uh, oh, man. and he was the major breadwinner of the family. So, um, we sold his truck, you know, we had a little bit of money left over. Um, my plans, uh, I wasn't doing all that great in school anyway. So, uh, I was, you know, struggling to get good grades cause I just didn't like the way school was teaching. But I, I remember when I was in high school, I loved my mechanics class because, you know, back then they used to have auto mechanics and woodworks and stuff. So I, I usually, I, I love working with my hands. So I, was taking classes like that at high school and I was getting A's in those, but F's in all the other ones. Um, so when my dad died, you know, um, I told my mom, look, I, I'll drive the truck. I mean, we got to make money because, 
you know, we don't have, we, we need to, my mom wasn't working and my brother was in college and we needed to pay the mortgage. And I didn't want to go back to that one bedroom apartment. You know, I was like, I'll do whatever I can to uh, make this work. So uh, it was my mom's suggestion. She's like, look, if you're not going to go to school, at least go get a career in the trades. It's a good plan B. You know, I know your dad wants you to be an attorney or a doctor, you know, and uh, that's what you were trying to do. But, you know, just go to the trades. You know, it's a good plan B. And uh, she called a family friend who was a plumber and I went to work for him and I just kind of fell in love uh, with plumbing. I fell in love with the trades. I was like, wow, this is great. This is what I want to do. So I'm 50 now and that's all I've been doing you know, my whole life as I've been in the in the trades. And um, I started out, I started my first business at 19. Uh, I remember, you know, working for Arthur, you know, first day, he's like, John, you're either going to love it or hate it. We're going to, and he was servicing apartment buildings. So we would go to job sites and, um, you know, two inch line leaking under an apartment building, you know, crawl space, yeah. 18 inch crawl space, you got to crawl in the mud and you know, go cut the pipe and change it and do all that stuff. And um, so I, I first day, I mean, I got home all muddy and dirty and, you know, I, I hosed myself before I went into the house, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm like, I love it, man. This is what I want to do. I want to do plumbing, you know. So Arthur's like, you're either going to like it or hate it. I loved it. So I quickly escalated in his company like three to six months later. I was running all the calls. He was staying at home and he gave me an apprentice and I was actually had a helper. I was help that was helping me and I was doing all the work. He was a, he was a full-time alcoholic. So he left to stay home and drink, you know, oh, while I, me and my uh, helper would go out, yeah. but he gave me raises until I got to about $60 a day. I started at $25 a day was my salary and I got up to 60 and he's like, and I said, Arthur, I got to make more money. You know, I'm like six, eight months into it. I said, we got a mortgage and we're running out of the truck money because we sold the uh, the 18 wheeler. And, you know, my mom's been paying the mortgage with the proceeds. But, you know, we've got another six months of uh, cash left to pay this. And I'm not making enough to cover the mortgage. Yeah. And um, he's like, John, you know, he's like, you, you have two choices. You could either go work for a big company and, you know, move up the ladder or go start your own thing. But I'm comfortable. I don't want to grow. I said, let's grow the company, pay me more money and I'll manage it. And, you know, we could get a second truck and a third and fourth. And, but he wasn't interested. He was just happy to be a one truck operator. Mm. So that's when I decided, you know, I, I'm going to go start my own plumbing company. Uh, at the same time, I was sort of doing stuff on the weekends, you know, family and friends would call me, for some plumbing work, I got some hand tools and I wasn't licensed, but I was still doing some weekend gigs and, you know, that helped, but it really wasn't replacing my dad's income yet. Yeah. Uh, but I eventually, you know, replaced my dad's income and uh, my mom's plan B for plumbing became a really good plan B for me, you know? So, um, yeah. you know, we, uh, I uh, got into a franchise. I bought a plumbing franchise and became one of the largest franchisees they had. And then, sold that, got out of the plumbing franchise and started my own brand and uh, quickly grew to being uh, the largest residential uh, plumbing company in the state of California. So it's been a great, great plan B, you know, so um, yeah. and, and I wrote a book about it, you know, because um, 
you know, nowadays there's just so many kids going to college and, and we have a shortage in the trades and we're having a hard time finding good people. And the infrastructure is, is getting older in America yeah. and we got more people retiring than people going in. So there's not enough people to fix the infrastructure, uh, you know, to do the repairs on it. And we're noticing that. So I wanted to attract a lot of people to the trades. So I wrote a book uh, called The uh, Secret to True Wealth yeah. and uh, how a career in plumbing, you know, uh, could help you become wealthy because that's what it did to me. I mean, it really helped me build a really good nest egg for my family. That is awesome. And that's so good. John, I, I definitely want to dive into more about this book, but in doing so, I actually want to rewind back, uh, to, you know, to the beginning and talk more about your upbringing. And, and when y'all first came to California, what, it, when you think about your core values and you think about what's made you successful to where you're at today, um, can you share like one of like what's like maybe the the top core value that your that your mom or your dad instilled in you early on that drove you to to take these risks and do what you're doing today? Well, my my dad, you know, for the short time he was with us, um, he taught us a lot of lessons. I mean, my mom, you know, I mean, she's amazing because she's always encouraged me and always told me and my brother that, you know, you guys are great. You could do whatever, you know, I mean, for my mom, I could walk on water, you know, it was like, yeah. she was like you know, she was like the total encourager. And my dad taught us the, uh, you know, our work ethic, you know, my dad, like I said, he was a truck driver. So he would go out in, um, you know, he'd go out like disappear on uh, Monday early in the morning before we even woke up. Yeah. And then, you know, he would come back on like Saturday afternoon, you know, like because he was on the road. He was like sleeping in his camper, you know, going back and forth to Northern California and back. Sometimes he'd go to Arizona and, you know, do some longer loads. Uh, but my dad was always working, you know, he was always working. And whenever I was taking summer vacations, I'd go with him and he would just like drive as much as he can, you know, um, and just make all the loads. He, you know, he taught me how to be on time because he had to be at a certain place, you know, to drop a load off. And he's like, hey, we got to be there at this hour. This is the hour we got to be there. We can't be late because that's what, you know, that's why I got so much work is because I'm always on time. And, you know, they want to use me all the time to take loads. And I learned that. And then he'd come back on Sunday, you know, when we were in school, like Saturday afternoon. And on Sunday, me and my dad and my brother, would wash the 18 wheeler and the 52 foot trailer, you know, we'd have to scrub it down. We'd change the oil. Uh, we'd lube it up, you know, get it all greased up, um, change all the beddings inside his, uh, camper, make sure he had fresh pillows and sheets and everything. Yeah. yeah. It take us eight hours to do. I mean, if you've ever changed the oil on a 18 wheeler, I mean, you know, it's like you're buying five gallons of, you know, oil bucket. <laughs> you're not buying liters. Uh, uh, it, was, it was all day events. So it was like Sundays were the day that we were spending with our dad, you know, learning how to do all this stuff. So I got really good with my hands because he was also a mechanic before yeah, and a truck driver. And um, so I was really good with my hands. So when I got into plumbing after he passed away, I was like, I already knew how to work with my hands. I knew how to, you know, get tools and, you know, be good with it. So I learned the trade pretty quickly. Mm, that's I good. learned, you know, I learned hard work from my dad, and I got 
positive reinforcement and encouragement for my mom all the time, you know, so um, a really good combination in uh, parenting. That is great. Yeah, I mean, that work ethic is one of those ones that still in your early really pays dividends for the long haul of your life, but positive reinforcement. How great is that? Because people rise to the level of our expectations of them. And what that a lot of that means is that it's that positive reinforcement, right? Believing in people that they can accomplish what it is that we're wanting them to accomplish. And enough of that being done, people start believing, believing in themselves, getting confidence as they start to see the small wins happen over time. And um, one story that came to mind, John, as you were telling your story was uh, John Maxwell shares a story about um, somebody asked him one time, like, how do I move up in my career? Like, what do I need to be doing to move up in my career? And it was a, a younger guy getting into his specific career. And John shared with them and said, you know, what time does your day start? And he said, 8 a.m. He's like, okay, so what time are you going to be there? He's like, 7.50. And John Maxwell's like, no, be there at 7.30. You know, what time does your day end? Five o'clock. You know, that, that that's when I punch out the clock. What, and then he's asking the same question. What time does your day end? No, it should end, you know, 5.30. It should end and after that. You know, next thing you should do is go to your boss and let him know that you're here to serve and you're here to do whatever it's going to take to help him or help her be successful. And I see, and I, I think about that story and I think about your story and I realize that you grew up doing what it took because your dad and your mom did what it took to be successful and to raise it and, and to raise the kid and raise you and your brother. And it's the same thing that you took over when your dad passed away is all you knew was that you had to do what it, what it takes to be successful. And when I think about our audience listening today, and I think about the next generations that are coming up in the trades, and I think about the opportunities they have, I hope they're hearing that, that putting your best foot forward and taking initiative and, and going above and beyond is a great way to be, to, to move up and be successful in any business, right, John? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it is. I mean, um, the work ethic is so important, you know, um, especially nowadays where, you know, the media is, you know, just showing shortcuts, you know, how to, you know, buy this package and get rich and, you know, no time and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff going on out there that just make people think that there's, there's a way to do it in a shorter period of time, but you got to put in the hard work, you know, and, uh, and that's the only way, you know, it's called, it's, it's like the 10,000 hour rule, right? I mean, you, yeah, after 10,000 hours, you become really good at what you're doing. You become a professional at it. But how quickly can you get that 10,000 hours done, right? Some people get the 10,000 hours done in 20 years, and some people get it done in, in, in five years, right? Because they're just putting so much time into their craft. Uh, and some people do it in less time than that. So, you know, how much time and effort are you going to take you know, to become really good at what you do and, uh, you know, and working on yourself as well. I mean, it's not only becoming a great plumber or a great uh, HVAC technician or electrician or, or what, it's also becoming a great human being, right? Mm. You know, becoming really effective in, uh, in, in all of the things you do. And, you know, I learned that the hard way because after my dad passed away, I mean, even though I had the work ethic because he put it in me, 
I mean, I kind of fell off the deep end. I mean, I hung out with the wrong people. I was an angry person because I felt victimized. I felt like, you know, why me? You know, how come all my friends got their dads and I don't, you know, and and they've got their future set because their dads are helping them. And and uh, and I'm here, you know, hustling, you know, to make ends meet. So, you know, I was an, I became an angry person and I, you know, but I had to learn and become better. And uh, all of that happened through self-improvement, you know. Wow. So let's talk about that a little bit, John. I mean, I'm, I'm, as I'm hearing these words come out of your mouth, I, I'm, I know there's got to be just some great stories behind this. But the first question I have for you is, you know, feeling like a victim, how did you overcome that mindset? I mean, it took a while uh, for me to actually um, take that energy um, of being angry because I felt like I was a victim to what happened to my dad to understanding um, how I could become better. Because what it, what it actually did for me now is that, you know, because my dad died at the age 46 and, you know, left us, I, I take care of my health a lot more. Uh, then, I mean, some people think I'm crazy because I put so much time into, you know, working out and eating right and doing certain things that, you know, um, you know, make me healthy because I want to be there to see my kids and my grandkids and, and be there to guide them uh, because I know, because I know how I felt when that happened and I don't want my kids to feel that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it actually served me uh, you know, in the long run to become a better person. So, you know, all tragedy seems like, you know, it's, it's a bad thing until you really look at, you know, what it's actually doing to you. And in fact, I feel like my dad, you know, almost sacrificed his life for us to become better, you know, and that's a powerful, powerful mindset and a powerful thought because, you know, I, I mean, we can choose to, like you said, we can choose to be a victim of of our entire lifetime to where we're at today, or we can choose to say, you know what, this makes me uniquely who I am, and I'm going to learn from the good and the bad, and I'm going to be better because of it. And I think it's that mindset is really cool because, you know, I could share my story and you will share your story. And though they're two different stories, probably mixed in with tragedy and loss and successes and failures. Uh, having that victim mindset really holds you down and almost holds you captive. Right. And when I think about somebody who's come from where you've come from and built a business to where you're at today, uh, I had to feel like overcoming that victim mindset, realizing that part of that was hanging out with the wrong people, you know, the wrong people, the surroundings, people bring you down. Um, That had to be a big part in your success journey. Uh, and really free you up. And it's not like I'm I'm saying that and the rest of your life was easy, right? But it's one of those deals. You almost have to continuously remind yourself of what you're grateful for, the opportunities that you have and and the lessons that, that you've been taught and keep moving forward and building on those. Absolutely. So so let's let's dive in a little more to so you've written a few different books and I want to make sure the audience hears about these because they all resonate with me. But the first one I saw was creating 99 millionaires. 
And it, it looks like, you know, it, it's it's behind um, making the people around you successful. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, making the people around you successful. And uh, creating 99 millionaires is a story about, um, you know, about how plumbing sales, uh, you know, you can make it big in, uh, in the service industry if you can start educating customers on how to actually, you know, uh, look for long-term solutions. So mm -hmm. we have stories about our, our, you know, our, we have stories about some of our technicians, some of our salespeople and, and what they do and uh, how successful they are and, and how some people even became uh, millionaires, you know, in the trades, you know, working in our company. We have a handful of guys, a dozen people or more at this point uh, that have actually created wealth for their families, uh, you know, joining our, our team and or getting into, you know, the career of plumbing or HVAC or electrical and uh, getting into sales. So uh, that's what that book is about. And then The Secret to Real Wealth, which was actually the first book I wrote, mm -hmm. um, was a book is a book about how my plan B became the best plan B there is out there and how that could be a really good plan B for other people. Because I know there's more people going to college now and, you know, the schools are putting more debt on, on kids and a lot of them are confused and they don't know what to do. Um, but not everybody like myself, you know, uh, should go to college, you know, because this was a really good career path for me and, and how there's another choice, right? That's so true. I was, uh, I was driving to my, uh, my dear lease and I have a, a five-year-old son, Marshall, he was in the back seat. He's my right-hand man. And, uh, he just spontaneously or spontaneously said, Dad, I like to I like to fix things. And I thought, that's really cool, Marshall. You like to fix things. And he's always that that kid that's right next to me, likes to take things apart, put it back together, always wants to do things with me. And I just think about that and what you're saying, right? Like certain there's certain people out there, men and women both, that like to work with their hands. And it even shows early on. And if we're trying to force everybody to be and you know, go to college and and do all those things, it's not really serving people. And uh, when it comes to leading and serving people and growing your business and growing people into their careers, it's about getting to know the person first, figuring out what they're good at, right, and then putting them on the right path towards their success. And I love that you had written a book about that because that is so important in the schools today. And I'm very passionate about meeting the kids where they're at in the schools today and showing them what it looks like to be built for the trades and to showing them the opportunities that we have out in front of them. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit. And I want to talk more about Rooter Hero. Um, you know, looking at the business and, and what you have built, obviously, you know, going from your franchise business and growing that to uh, co-finding Ruder Hero and growing this to over 400 team members. That didn't happen overnight. You know, there's a lot of businesses out there who are listening to this show that are running, you know, $500,000 a year businesses up to maybe you know, a couple million dollar a year businesses. And they're wondering, like, how do I go to the next level? And how do I start growing past these, these growth plateaus that I'm facing? And so I, I, you mind sharing some some wisdom on that to people out there who are looking to grow past 
um, those smaller business growth plateaus? Yeah, I mean, uh, spend time working on the business, you know, that's uh, and being intentional uh, about building the business because, uh, you know, one of the things that um, I've, I've done and I continue to do is uh, take time every week to plan on how I can impact the business in a positive way. You know, what could I do to move the needle in a positive way if it's you know, uh, creating a better culture for the team that's existing, that's there uh, to, you know, starting or adding more vehicles or bettering our marketing, you know, um, be intentional because if you show up to work, you know, your your day will be filled, right? I mean, fires happen all the time. You, you could fill a day just showing up, um, you know, people at your door with got a minutes and all kinds of stuff. So if you're not intentional, on on putting proactive tasks into your calendar um, every week and then and then going off making sure it gets done then you're going to be caught working in the business and it's going to consume so much of your time and energy that the business is not going to grow and you're going to be very 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 frustrated Um, Mm -hmm. so i've been intentional about working on the business yeah and getting my team also to work on the business as well on a weekly basis you know working on you know not only maintaining the business but what do you have to do to grow the business grow your division grow your department um you know to keep up with the company growth so be intentional that's good yeah, you're speaking just a, a a great message. And so when you're talking about being intentional, and I know working in or on the business, not in the business, has been words that have been thrown around um, a little bit here in the trades. And a lot of business owners, you ask them, hey, do you ever work on your business? A lot of them are going to say, yeah, I'm working on my business. But the reality is, is they're probably thinking about their business, but they're possibly not actually getting anything done or working towards it. So uh, did you have a specific technique, like maybe you you sat down once a week, and, you know, with a journal and you jotted down some notes or like, what did you do that worked for you, John, whenever you're working on the business? Okay, yeah, I have a specific method to, yeah. uh, to this uh, working on the business. So um, I learned from a lot of the uh, coaching sessions I went to. I've been part of a strategic coach and um, I listened to... Uh, um, Darren Hardy on Darren Daly, and I've been to a lot of his classes. Mm-hmm. So I use a combination of everything I've learned. Uh, so the way it starts is every year I take an entire day and a half to structure my entire year. I look at five areas of the business. I've been doing this for a very long time. I actually learned it when I was in the franchising world. Yeah. They introduced it to me on, you know, um, Um, the first week that we were in it, you know, creating the wheel of life, you know, the five areas of the wheel that you have to, you know, put into balance. Um, And part of it is spiritual. Um, You know, it's, it's um, personal, then there's career goals. So what I do is I break mine up into five. So I have my family goals. Mm -hmm. I have my personal health goals, you know, like how I want to be and you know, my fitness, I have my company goals, you know, and I jot down what are those goals that I want to do. Um, and then I have my spirit. Uh, did I mention spiritual? If I no, haven't, yeah, then no, there's yeah, a spiritual goal. 
And then I have like personal goals, like just stuff for myself, you know, what I want to do. So I basically jot down about half a dozen items from each of those five areas that I want to accomplish. And then I run it through the smart filter, which is I have to be very specific on the results that I want. It has to be measurable. Mm. And then an example of that is if I weigh 100 and, you know, at one time I was 165. I weigh 165 pounds and I want to be 155. Yeah. Okay. I have to write down that I want to go from 165 to 155. So it has to be um, specific, measurable, uh, achievable. You can't have unrealistic goals in there, right? Um, What is the uh, other part? Um, uh, Realistic and uh, time-based, right? So it has to run through that filter and it has to be specific, measurable, achievable, yeah, time-based and realistic. And if if it goes through all those filters, then you have a real goal, right? So then I write those down and run it through that filter. And then I break it down by the quarter and I say, okay, here's what I'm going to tackle quarter one. If this is what I want to accomplish for the year, this is what I'm going to do in this quarter. And then every quarter, I take an entire day and go offsite, look at my goals, and then look at my results. I look backwards, and mm. I, can, I kind of measure backwards, and I go, how was that quarter? Did I get all of those five things, you know, those half a dozen things in those five categories done? Wow. And if I haven't, I move it to the next quarter. I go, what am I going to do differently next quarter to accomplish that? Like, and then I journal, why wasn't I able to do it? What kept me from doing it? And sometimes what's keeping me from doing it is that it's really not a goal. You know, it's a wish list. It's like a, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, it's like a, you know, it's, it's like a bucket item, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So then I go, okay, you know what? I'm going to remove that. So I pencil it in and yeah. then I, I plan it again. And then I go tackle the new quarter. Right. And then by the end of the year, if I have 80 percent of it, 90 percent of it done, I look at that and I go, OK, I got a B this year. OK. Or I got an A. So I, I grade myself, you know, for the year. So I kind of gamify it so to make it, you know, and then on a weekly basis, every Sunday I have a weekly um, uh, journal, you know, like a weekly planner. That I take my quarterly goals and I put it in my weekly action items and I break that down into five buckets. Okay. And I write down everything out of those five areas that I'm going to accomplish that week. Then from there, I move it into my calendar and I block out certain time uh, spaces in my calendar. So what happens is I wake up and I you know, I have a, you know, I, I read this book called Miracle Mornings where I wake up extra early. I do all of my stuff. And then I look at my journal. I look at my weekly planner. I look at my daily planner and I go, you know, uh, what do I have in there? And then I've, I've got a habit to check things off. Like I'm like obsessive about checking things off. So I go into my calendar at the end of the day. And if I haven't checked something off, meaning I haven't done it, I move it to the next day and I find a time slot where I go, I missed this. So I got to do it today. 
right? And then I get it done. But sometimes I'm working till 10 o'clock at night trying to get everything done that day. And wow. um, and I've already kind of know what my performance days are. You know, it's typically my biggest performance day is on Tuesdays. Uh, so I put a lot in my calendar. I, get, I put a lot of weight in my calendar on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. I know I can get a lot done on Tuesdays because that's just naturally how my body cycles. You know, I go through Monday and I get things done. But on Tuesday, I knock it out and then I give myself a little bit of a break on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I, I, I go hit it hard again. And then I on Friday, you know, I, I, I clean up Fridays or my cleanup days, whatever I haven't done that week or got missed all gets done on Fridays, you know, so. Wow. Um, and, and then rinse and repeat. Right. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad I asked you that question, John. So, you're, so what you're saying to the audience is that you don't just wake up and build a company of 400 plus people, right? No, no. <laughs> you don't just show up and let the day happen to you, right? No, no. You have to be very intentional. I mean, extremely intentional. You have to almost like plan it. You got to draw it out and then you got to go in there and do it. And then you're going to have failures, you know, I mean, and you have to forgive yourself, you know, for mm -hmm. failing. I mean, you can't, you know, one of the, I guess, blessings I have is, uh, you know, I have a very, um, I, I, I forget about some of the mistakes I've made. That, that could be a blessing and it could be a, you know, it, it, it could be a curse at the same time uh, because sometimes I make the same mistake over and over again because I forgot the lesson from the last one. Right. <laughs> um, but because I forgot, you know, I don't really, you know, beat myself up for something that, uh, you know, that that didn't go so well, you know, so I'm I'm happy to get it, you know, right, you know, more than half of the time because that moves it forward. That's awesome. You know, I want to I, I want to shift gears a little more and and kind of the, the vision and the foundation of your company there at Ritter Hero. Um, just checking out your business online. It, it's it's pretty you know prevalent that your core values are important to you. So can you share with the audience a little bit about, you know, why the core values are important to you and then just kind of talk about what are your core values? So our, our core values are, and I have a, I have a book actually written on that too. It's called values first okay. and it's all five of our core values. It's faith, uh, integrity, uh, respect, service, and teamwork. And we have a couple of sentences that explain, you know, why and how we perceive those core values to be, you know, living in our organization. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, at the same time, I mean, we, we like to live our core, core values by, uh, first of all, we read it so it's on the top of the mind, right? Before every meeting, we go through our values. Mm. Um, and then a lot of times we like to use the values to, you know, talk about a story that happened, you know, let's say with a customer or with a team member. Um, but our main core value is faith. And uh, I think faith is extremely important to me because you know, I believe our creator put us on earth to succeed. Uh, and in order for us to do that, we have to strive to learn and stretch ourselves in order to reach our full potential. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't think anybody ever reaches their full potential, you know, because some people feel like they don't deserve, uh, you know, their full potential. But we all have we all as human beings could accomplish more than what we're accomplishing today. We all have the capacity to do that. 
And our creator put us on earth to do that, to for us to fulfill, you know, and stretch ourselves and get to our full potential. And too many of us, you know, leave the earth not fulfilling our full potential. And my goal is to reach my full potential and anybody in our organization for them to reach their full potential and whatever that means to them. Right. Mm. Uh, and, you know, that's you know, that those are the kind of examples that we have within our core values, you know, so and and I have, a, I have a book on that as well called Values First. I'd be happy to send that to anybody. I actually wrote that book for team members at Ruder Hero when people come into work at Ruder Hero, we, you know, we, we give them a book, we got an ebook on it, or, and we also have a PDF, you know, so that book is available to all of our team members. We put them on the shelf and whoever wants to pick it up, they pick it up and read it. Um, so, uh, but it's also available to everybody else. So whoever wants it could uh, get a copy of it. I love that, man. I love that, John. I, 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 even just you talking about faith being your core value reminds me of how important it is for the business leaders out there today to talk about their core values with their team because if that would have just been a sign on the wall that said faith integrity respect service and teamwork that's also powerful but you just elaborated on not only why faith is important to you and the business but also why what's in it for me as a team member Right. You want to help me achieve my full potential, though it may look different than your full potential. You're actually showing interest in that. And when I think about faith, I do think about God and I do think about him leading my life. But I also think about confidence as a leader and believing in yourself. You know, faith is believing in something that you can't see necessarily. So in order for us to reach our potential, like you're talking about, we first must believe that we can reach our potential or can actually achieve what it is we want to accomplish and all that doesn't just happen overnight right it's it has a lot to do with going all the way back to your upbringing and your mom encouraging you to choosing to surround yourself with positive people after you realize you were surrounding yourself with negative people to now today where you're at being intentional i mean we started off just talking about working on the business and then you just shared some gold for the audience on how you structure that between spiritual, personal, career, family, and company. I love that, man, because that really gives you the full balance you need for your life when you set your goals. You talked about making them measurable. You talked about making them achievable. And you talked about how you check in with them often and gamification of, of scoring yourself there. And after all that, you actually said that you have to give yourself some forgiveness because you're probably not going to accomplish all your goals, which is pretty cool as well. Because I think that is very important. Um, but one last question for you. And and I, I guess before I ask this, I do want to remind the audience. You said that, you know, uh, you can get some of your books on Amazon. Is that correct? Yeah, they're on Amazon. They're on Audible. And I'd be happy to send any book to anybody um, or send a PDF of it. So just uh, got just email me at john at ruderhero.com uh, or go to our website uh ruderhero.com forward slash books and you could easily um you know like either order it there or send us a message and we'll send one over you know awesome. so we'll even tell you an actual book if, if you want it i haven't put the books out there for it to become a you know like a, a like an income for the company or something i just wrote the books to share our, our successes and allow others to learn from it you know so you know it's yeah. we're, we're giving it away 
Awesome. Well, I know I'm going to take you up on, the, on that offer. I want to read your books. I think it's really, really cool what you're doing. And and uh, so my one last question for you is, is what's one thing that you know today that you wish you would have known whenever you started in the trades? Oh, that's a great question. So I wish, you know, like one thing I, I wish I knew today that I, I had known earlier is that, I mean, it goes back to what I learned from Zig Ziglar, you know, um, if you help enough people accomplish their goals, you will accomplish yours. Mm. You know, I wish that quote came into my life at an earlier stage than when it did, you know, because, uh, I know early on, you know, I felt like, um, you know, it was sort of like a rat race, you know, it was like, whatever, you know, keep it to yourself, don't share it with others, you know, because, uh, you know, it's going to give you a disadvantage or whatever the case was. Uh, but I completely think differently now, you know, that all I want to do is, is figure out a way to share and be transparent with people. And if they can, if I can help somebody learn something and do something better in their life, then, you know, hey, you know, that makes me better, you know, because I know that ultimately, that's why we're put on this earth to help others, right? Wow. To love and, you know, so I, I just wish I, I had done that earlier on in my life. But again, I have no regrets, you know, yeah. Uh, so I'm just happy I'm where I am today. Well, thank you so much, John, for being on the podcast and sharing your time and your knowledge with our audience and myself. I've learned a lot today, and I really appreciate you for, for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate being on your podcast. Awesome. Well, for everybody out there, you know, Bill for the Trades is about just being a better person in the trades. And John really shared some great knowledge today that Every day you got to wake up to get better. And if you think that you're already at the top level of leadership, you're already behind where you should be because there's really not a destination to great leadership. It's every day you got to be intentional about it. So if you like what you hear, just please subscribe and share this with a friend. And also um, reviews help guide our future uh, interviews and conversations that we have with people. So please take a few minutes and just leave us a review. It would, it would mean a lot to myself and everybody here at Built for the Trades. So, John, thanks for coming on again and have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. You too. Have a great day. Bye.